Ooh, that was a good oh, one. Oh, yeah. There we go. There we go. Alright. Cheers. Cheers to our guest. Alright, welcome everybody. This is your second episode to Whiskey Friday Podcast. Uh, with us, obviously, you got uh, Aaron and Mike. Hello. And then um, a guest with us tonight, and you'll be hearing from him, is uh, Patriot Rob. Patriot Rob, I like it. Uh, yeah, I like it too. So, um, I wanted to get started off real quick, uh, kind of talk about some stuff that happened this week, just kind of throw this out there before we actually get into our topic. So, we talked last week about I was getting ready to golf by myself at El Rio. Um, so, we, we go golfing. Uh, there, I, I went to El Rio. Sun was barely coming up. I get out there. There's a, a, a line of, of vehicles out there. And I was like thinking to myself, I was like, damn, is it going to be this, this packed? So um, I, I get in, you know, I get my golf cart. I go do my warm-up swings. I was there, you know, probably 45 minutes early, whatever. Normal. Normal. So I go and I, I'm like, all right, I see my opening. The, the people teed off in front. They took off. And so I rolled up there. What I didn't see was there was a, uh, a father and a son there. And they were like right in front of me and they were waiting for the people in front of them. So I get there and I'm like, all right, so I'll wait. So father and son do their thing and they probably took 15 minutes on the first hole. Wow. wow. How so, was your patience on that? So I sat back, you know, I had my music going just by myself, had my AirPods in, had one AirPod in, just listening to music, kind of doing my thing, doing, doing whatever kind of hanging out and uh, they were, you know, they did the whole like searching for the ball thing, which is fine. I, I'm fine with that. Cause I search for my ball all the time, a lot, but it was, we all do. It was, they were walking the way they were walking. They were literally just kind of <laughs> ho-hum. Like I'm going to search over here. Didn't find it. I'm going to search over there. Like when we search, we look, we, I run up the kinda, hill. I run kinda, up. Kinda, if I don't find it within, yeah two minutes i'm done yeah we kind of know where it went we go there if we don't find it we're like Dropping, you know what fuck it we'll take a drop especially we'll if so, if someone's not on the t-box and i don't worry about it but if someone's on the t-box okay yeah but they see me i'm by myself so maybe they're thinking yeah, no big deal one, one guy. guy but not not a big deal maybe we'll let them play through a little bit later so go through i uh tee off go through the hole second hole i'm doing the same thing but now this time i pull up and they're just sitting there waiting for the people in front of them i'm like okay all right we gotta um gotta wait so i'm sitting there and there's four what i thought was four turned out to be a five sum in front of the father and son should have called on them what 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 was weird about that is in front of them was another five sum better than that what was in front of them was another five sum so the club decided to have a little tournament, and instead of doing foursomes, they did fivesomes. Without so, telling anybody else. Without, like, letting anybody know as we were going through. So I'm, like, literally just, like, kind of irritated. and But I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm here to have fun. I'm not on a time limit. doesn't matter, whatever. So what stinks, though, is I'm playing by myself, and I'm behind a father and son, so I'm waiting on them. Then what I have behind me is three guys that are pulling up on me 
and they're waiting on me. So now they're mad and at they're you. playing music and they're doing this stuff. And I'm like, kind of trying to talk to them and all this. And I'm like, I feel, and they're good. They're, you know, they're parring every hole, you know, they're, they're right there. As soon as I finish a hole, as soon as I'm walking off, they're hitting the green. You know what I mean? So anyways, I started talking to them and they're like, Hey, you want to just do a foursome? I'm like, all right, cool. So I ended up talking to them. So, you know, perspective, looking at it from a different angle. I learned these guys' names. One, two of them are Mike, Mike and Mike, and then Jose. One guy they called Fog, fucking old guy. Nice. Awesome, <laughs> awesome name. And that was his name. And uh, so the other, other Mike was, is the pro at Mojave Resort. Oh. So I get to talk to him the whole time. Jose and Fog are uh, work at Hukon. So I get to talk to them the whole time. So literally now... I have this like in with them and they're like, Hey, you come down anytime, dude, you're, you're in like, come on, play, whatever. So mon- so Monday we're going to go play. So hobby. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. So like all this time I'm getting fired up, you know, this is by about the fourth or fifth hole. I think it was the first par three that they have. Um, that's oh, no, no I, that's Los Lagos. Maybe it was, was the maybe it was the second par three they had. It was one of them, but the uh, the pro from Mojave Resort was like giving me tips the entire time, and I was like, "This is pretty awesome." Was he charging you like uh, Matt does? No, 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 no. <laughs> but I, I just thought it was like kind of cool that you know I I played, I got irritated because of everything going on, and sometimes when you're not that good at golf, you get really nervous with people behind you. Yeah. And it really throws me off because it's, you know, golf is a mental game. So it throws me off. And I was just like, all right, man, <sighs> I just got to relax, just have fun. So we, I played with these guys. They gave me beers, dude. They gave me a couple Bud Lights and stuff like this. And it was really funny because Jose barely speaks any English. He's like one of their landscapers. But they bring <laughs> this guy up. But they bring so this they guy out. I thought it was really cool of them to bring this guy yeah, out and golf with them. Absolutely. He was a really good golfer, and they I were like, the world to him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, he, he had a blast, and he was a really decent golfer. I think he shot like a 92, you know, like really good golfer. And uh, you know, they were just giving him shit the whole time, and it was really cool because Mike, uh, the pro from Mojave Resort, is a really cocky son of a bitch, right? Re- like – Jose, look at this. Whack! Just rack a drive 300 yards. Like, no big deal. I wish. Well, he gave one of these, like, um, tea, we were getting ready to tee off, and he was like, Jose, you know, $20, you know, like, making fun of what, how he speaks. Right. It, it, just giving him shit. Yeah. Like, Jose just was eating it up, dude. They, you, you could tell these guys have worked together forever. So, Jose's like, you know what? Fine. Fine, let's do it. So Mike tees off, just racks his dead nuts center, and Jose's like, can I take it back? Oh, can I take it back in, like, broken English? He's like, no, no, no. So Jose tees off, and he's a little right. He's, like, in the, you know, a little rough or whatever. But anyways, Jose hits his second shot that just fucking damn near holes it. It was like a 415 par 4. Just damn near holes it, and I was like, oh, shit. So Mike's like, okay, all right. All right, I got this, you know. He puts it up there. This is how we're playing it? Puts it up on the green. Has about, I want to say, 16, 17 foot for birdie. Like, really, I mean, I would die for a shot like what he just did. But uh, ends up, Mike Mike puts it, like, barely lets it, uh, 
short, it was low of the hole. And just like, oh, it was good though. Jose won the 20 bucks and I was like, uh, you could tell Jose was like, this has never happened in my life. All the times I've golfed, this He's never like, happened. He's like, I got awesome. one up on the white so, man. You make fun so, of me, I'm going to beat you. Yeah, with that, man, I, it was just, it was kind of cool. Started off my week a really like cool way just to see, just to meet new people for one. Right, meet meet other golfers and stuff like that. And last week I had the story about uh, Buck. Buck. Buck, and then uh, the American you know, hero. Yeah, the American hero. And then this week was just a uh, good fog. Fog was an awesome. He 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 would uh, you know they all had their own carts and Fog would always come up and just like sit on my cart and talk to me. You know, some sixty year old guy, but just golf courses were. Guys are guys, yeah. man. I mean, guys can Absolutely. just like fucking talk to guys. Doesn't matter. It's just a really cool place. So, so in our foursome, would would that be Rob? Rob would be the fog. The fog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rob he would. would be Rob the would fog. be the fog. All right, I'll take that. <laughs> so you know, that's why I have so much more wisdom than you guys. Yes, that's why <laughs> we're true. bringing that you on. That is true. That's why you're <laughs> that's here. That's why. It's exactly yeah. why you're here. <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely do. You've got more worldly experience. So, what do you have any stories from this week? Any any uh, anything pressing you want to get off your chests? This is the time to do it. Ooh. There's a lot, but I don't think it's yeah. uh, I don't think it's podcast uh, appropriate. All right, all right. But uh, you know, other than that, it's 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 been a good week. It's it's hot, super hot. I mean, it is. It definitely is. I work outside. Um, you know, digging trenches and. Doing stuff like that, it's 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 and been miserable. If you didn't miserable. know, we're we're literally in the um, in the uh, the armpit of America, or the you I don't know, know how many more places were 120 degrees today. Death no. Valley, Death Valley Death got Valley. Death Valley gets Maybe there. Maybe a place in Africa somewhere. Yeah, I mean desert. it's it's yeah. been it's been hotter <laughs> than the devil's dick all week. But at least the Sahara Desert cools down at night, right? Yeah, right. not here. It's uh what. Almost 11 o'clock at night, and it's still 98 degrees. You know what, though? It's it's going to be hot this week, but then I think we're... No. Next week, next week it's... Uh, we looked it up. I thought I was in the 106s. No, yeah. we looked See, it up. I, I, that's what I saw. I saw, as far as I know, that this weekend, we're supposed to be 120 all weekend. This weekend, yeah, and but... I think that it starts... I looked, in fact, I think Wednesday drops to... Like 96. Yeah, but it doesn't it, even crack 100. Yeah, it's, it's down in the 90s starting on, like, oh, then Tuesday. You're right. Then Thursday... 100, 105, 107, 109 back on Sunday. So let's see. Tuesday is supposed to be 98, be 97 on we Wednesday. Not, might not be done. So, all right. Um, I wanted to get into our first topic here. Um, and literally, this podcast really isn't meant to be scripted. political or scripted. Well, uh, not not necessarily scripted. Just like we don't want it to be all politics. We want to talk fun. We want to just. Uh, want this to be guys sitting on a couch bullshitting talking about current events but with, with today's uh current events i mean everything becomes political because um of coronavirus and just i mean obviously just everything that's going on so um one thing i wanted to talk about is like um the democrats are literally showing us their playbook uh because for the longest time you know uh if you are you know, conservative or Republican, you're voting for Trump. 
you kind of have this feeling that they're just like dying. They're showing their hand. They're doing all this stuff. They're they're rioting. They're playing their last their last card in their deck. And um, one thing that we want to get out to you guys is that um, they're not. Uh, what what we don't want you guys to think is that it's okay not to go out there and vote because you think Trump's going to win by a landslide. We we need everybody out there to go vote. And I'm going to explain why uh, real quick. Trump might win by a landslide in the presidency. And that's all fine and dandy. But the biggest thing is that uh, we keep the Senate and that we flip the, the House. House of Representatives. We got to do that uh, because here's what happens. And this is what I think a lot of this uh, mail-in balloting, why they're doing this push and all this stuff is because what they want you got what what the liberals want you to focus on is Biden and Kamala Harris being um, uh, their representatives and and what what the truth is is that they're not they're literally the two I arguably the dumbest people that they've ever um, had on a democratic ticket I mean this is just uh, bar none. You guys all see Biden is is cognitively not there. I mean, he can't even read a teleprompter. He can't read a teleprompter. Um, he just can't uh, put a sentence together. He he has a very tough time. And so you, but they but they're taking your guys's eyes off the prize. And so what what happens here is there's some some major dates to to think about. Is November fourth or December? Yeah, November fourth is election day. November 4th, we all we all vote. And usually what happens is what we're, we're used to seeing is that um, they're calling states on the media. Um, and the media calls their states, they do their thing. And uh, then usually the losing uh, president or the losing person uh, candidate, the losing candidate will call the winning candidate and, and concede. concede and say, hey, good job, you did this and that. That's a normal process, but as you guys can see with Hillary's comments, Aisha Presley, um, all these people are telling Biden that he's not going to concede, he's not going to do this, and um, so what happens when a candidate doesn't concede? Now with the mail-in ballots, Trump, we might see Trump destroy Biden on election night. In the popular vote. And the popular vote. I mean, regardless. I mean, both of them. I mean, electoral college and popular. But what happen, What might happen is that they will, uh, the media will spit this out, spit all this stuff out, and then they'll shut it down because the mail-in ballots will take weeks, if not months, if not, months if to, not to a count. year, two years to count these mail-in ballots that are coming in because right now they're even having a problem with Four percent mail-in ballots coming in, and now they're talking about there's going to be twenty to twenty-five percent mail-in ballots. That is a huge, huge uptick in mail-in ballots, which can create all sorts of problems. So, December fourteenth, the electoral college meets. Okay, um, they meet and they discuss. All right, these states won this. These states won this. We're going to declare a president. Well. They have a, a law, and this is constitutional law, six days prior to that, which is December 8th. If there's any issues 
with any of the um, the states calling who won their state, okay. they haven't up until December 8th to figure it out. So they'll bring all these people in, and um, what happens is a lot of uh, um, uh, court rules go behind doors and all this stuff, and they can call certain people. Um, one side can call other people. And so all this stuff happens. Well, if they find out by definitive proof that they can't uh, declare who won the state, either one or two things happens, right? Either the state declines to be included in the electoral college. So they'll say, you know what? Don't even worry about our state. So let's just say Biden going into the Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a state that is up in the air for grabs. And they're arguing about Wisconsin. In Wisconsin's eight electoral votes. I, I don't know what it exactly is, but let's just say it, Wisconsin's eight. And Biden's down by four. Or Biden's up by four. So if Trump was supposedly supposed to win this state, and they're arguing about this, and they're arguing about the mail-in ballots, and Trump could have got these eight electoral votes, and all of a sudden they, Wisconsin just says, you know what, we're not going to count our votes, we're going to defer our votes. Then all of a sudden, Biden is the winner now because Wisconsin deferred their votes. So they could do that. They can just literally defer their votes. Or if they can find out definitive proof that they need to go into court, court of law, it's going to push further. And they're, then they're going to go into Supreme Court, which the Supreme Court these days is not going to touch anything that has to do with the Constitution. No. If it's constitutional law, they're not going to touch it. They're going to just let it go and bring bring it back down to the federal courts and then the federal courts will, will decide. Well, if this keeps going back and forth, here's the important date by January 20th. If a president hasn't been sworn in, the speaker of the house becomes president. So as of right now, as of right now, it would be Nancy Pelosi. It would be Nancy Pelosi. And that would be detrimental. Oh, it would be horrible. And so this is back, why this is why I'm going back to why it's so important for you guys to get out and vote is because we need the House of Representatives flip. Yeah, the House more needs than to go the Republican. President. More than the president. 100%. And just to uh, uh, reiterate or, you know, whatever, Wisconsin has 10 electoral votes. So 10. So, uh, yeah. So right there. So literally one state could could defer their votes. Um, but there needs to be a lot of proof behind there. Uh, I, it, it's in the Constitution for a reason. And I'll explain, like, our founding fathers were so brilliant in this aspect because they literally put in every avenue of shadiness to get blocked for for it not to happen. And I love that. You, you go look and you, you read the Constitution, you guys. I mean, read what it says in these laws that they made. They literally made it to where um, they could not get through without doing everything in their power to be shady. But on our end, right, we've, we've allowed this to happen for so long. Oh, yeah. And this is one of those things that you bring up. You know, um, they thought they were silencing 
uh, a bunch of people, you know, all these um, tech uh, moguls, you know, Twitter, Facebook, they thought they were silencing people and then uh, they decided uh, to awaken the beast. A beast. And I mean, that's what you see. I mean, you're seeing it now. There is more and more Trump supporters coming out. And I'm going to I'm going to guess that because they're Trump supporters are voting red. So, I mean, I, I, I hope we can flip the house. I hope we can keep the Senate. I hope we can keep the, you know, that that gentleman that lives on a Pennsylvania Avenue. So, well, and then, uh, you know, I've I've me myself, I grew up in California and, you know, California has been a Democratic state for as long as I can remember. But recently you've been seeing more and more Trump supporters in California. Yeah. They just, yeah. I mean, they just had, what, two weeks ago, they just had a huge, huge, like, vote parade in Newport. Yeah. Like 5,000 people, 5,000 boats showed up to this thing. Yeah. And guess what? Next weekend, uh, they're supposed to have another one yeah. in Newport. But uh, even on top of that, how about this? huge save the children yeah rally that they have in the biggest pedophile capital of the world in la yeah well and i mean thousands of people show up to this save the children rally and i, I mean, mean that's another thing you know how, you don't how are, you don't see that on the mainstream media well, you don't no. see that because here's one thing i I'm gonna give you guys a little tidbit that a lot of people don't know is like do you know who who owns fox news um, I know Disney owns quite a bit of Fox. Disney. Disney yeah. owns Fox. And and who's one of the biggest proprietors of this pedophile ring? Right. Disney. Disney. Yeah. So you can't tell me. And I listen, I was a Fox News guy. I, I still love a few few of the people on there. But they have an agenda just like the next. Well, everybody They're going to push it out there. They're, in their agenda, in my opinion – is to push enough out there to get you, like, that they're fair and balanced, right? I mean, what, what's Fox News? Their, their slogan, fair and balanced. Yeah. That they're fa fair and balanced, but they're going to keep you silent. They're going to keep you to where, like, they got it under control, and they're going to keep you silent. You know, Fox News wasn't always like that. Fox News used to be just as liberal as the rest of the media. Yep. Yeah. And then they were, because Disney, they're cutting edge. They really are. Yes. And uh, they were smart. They, got, they bought Fox News, and, uh, and, that, and then what they did was they started to peel away from the left a little bit, and then what they did was they captured a huge, huge, like, you know, demographic that wouldn't watch any of the rest of the stuff, like the super crazy left CNN, and so they gained a bunch of market share there, because that's really what it is. Oh, right. absolutely. Oh, yeah, and, 100%. Uh, and those people are usually voting red. But make no mistake, it's all the same. All yeah. the same. It's all the same. And it's all about perspective. Yeah. They know how to tweak that perspective a little bit to cater to these people because they say just enough to hit on that hot button for some of the people that are voting red and reels them in where they still get to put their media out there their liberal agenda. Well, not only that, but not only are they hitting on the, on the spots that are going to keep those people that are voting red over there but they're gonna hit that spot that's gonna that's keeping those people voting blue that are like oh well you know i can kind of see where they're coming from on that 
So, you know, they're kind of playing devil's advocate where they're one side, but they're the other, you know, they're, they're that neutral, you know, they're that neutral news channel where they're not totally left, but they're not totally right. They're like that. Yeah. We might lean a little more one way, but we're not all the way this way. But yeah, I mean, it, a lot of conservatives think that the left is dumb or idiotic or stupid. Or doesn't and they're know not. what they're doing. They, yeah. they know. There are plenty of genius people on the they, left side. They know what they're doing. That's why m- literally most of the richest people if, if that we know about, right? I mean, we can go. We can go deeper into conspiracy if you guys want to. But if you Google the top five richest people, you're going to see the Jeff Bezos, the Bill Gates, the Mark Zuckerberg, those folks. George Soros. You won't even see George Soros. No, he's not in the top. He's a master of the shadows, and he's not even the top. Yeah, he's not even in the top. So, So when you look at those guys, right, these are the five, like the top three richest people in the world. Uh, I. Mark Zuckerberg's like four or five, whatever. But those guys are, all five of them are left wing. They know what they're doing. And that's why you see Twitter and Instagram and Facebook purging all these conservatives off their website because they could care less if they're operating in the black or in the red. They could care less. They could care less because that is a small portion of the money they're making. A very small portion of the money they're making. They operate in the red all day. They don't care. All they care about is getting their shit out there. Getting their agenda out there. That's all they care about. There's a big old purge coming. Instagram's getting next. Instagram's getting hit hard right now. So any Q posts, any anything like that, top, you're getting done. Top twenty-five richest people in the world, Soros isn't isn't one of them. At least uh, on, on Jeff paper. Bezos is number one. Jeff Bezos. Um, you know Jeff Bezos made like like thirty-two million in one day during this coronavirus huh. pandemic. So right now his net or worth thirty-two billion as billion. of twenty twenty billion. Yeah, as of as of twenty twenty, his net worth is $194.1 billion. Yeah. And that was after a divorce. Yeah, that was, that was after fact, his divorce. Is it, is it scarier? So when the woman tees off from, from that kind of divorce and now becomes one of the richest women in the world, is that a scary situation? I think Can so. Be? What she could do with that oh, money? Absolutely. And then, uh, so you got just, I'll, I'll do the is it, top, is it, I'll do the top Because at five. that point, do you, you think it's just like, all right, we're going to split our, it's almost like splitting stock shares, right? We're going to, we're going to, uh, split your shares, drop them by half and then build them back up to where they were just to double your money. Is that like splitting? Well, Bezos, he's a very intelligent person. I'm sure he played his cards, right? Oh Yeah had to so the so the top five richest people in the world you got jeff bezos bernard are not i don't know he's worth 119 and a half billion does it say where he's from uh no it does not 
I mean, I'm sure if I looked into it a little bit more, I could find it. Uh, <clears throat> then you got Bill Gates at 115.7 billion, Mark Zuckerberg at 111 billion, and then Warren Buffett at 82.3 billion dollars. Yeah. Warren Buffett and Bill Gates are best friends. Yeah. So you've got the number three and the number five, and I mean, let's be honest, the number four richest man in the world. So how is how is the owner of like so Jeff Bezos right created? Let's go. Jeff Bezos created the biggest marketing online sales. Oh yeah, the biggest uh, online sales place you ever ever. Right, uh, Amazon just created the biggest thing ever. Um, Bill Gates has been around for a long time. Microsoft literally like revolutionized the internet world. Then you have Mark Zuckerberg that created a social media site that is the fourth richest person in the world. And this is what we know about. Again, can get deeper into who's the richest, the Rothschilds, the Soros, you know, all them, the Rockefellers, all those folks. And then, and I mean, even then you still have Saudi princes that are, you know, sitting on islands of gold so me, and all that. Let me kind of throw a little curveball in all this. You know, this stuff's relevant to us right now because this is exactly what we have going on in life right now, right? So let's take it back to the beginning when J.P. Morgan was involved with things. Thomas oh, Edison. Okay. Now, back then, you've got Thomas Edison, who was of this similar group, right? Yep. And then you've got Tesla, who was not part of the group. Who was not Tesla a buddy. Tesla was not in the circle of the Zuckerbergs and all that of their era. Kind of the Elon Musk, maybe? And now you've got, you know, Thomas Edison, he's, he's in with J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan's funding everything. They're building each other up and, and doing something similar to what, you know, Bezos and Zuckerberg and these guys are doing. And so who is the current era Tesla? Is it Elon Musk? Yeah. The guy goes on the Joe Rogan experience and smokes a bunch of weed. Yep. Is stock tanks the next day yeah you know but he just hangs it out there and everyone kind of looks at elon musk is like kind of being an out there type guy probably pretty similar to how tesla was treated right and uh but now everyone's looking back saying oh shit man this tesla guy had it figured out yeah you know so you're talking what is that a couple hundred years ago or whatever the case is now you've got current era similar shit going on so history repeats itself, right? So who's the uh, the outsider? Who's who's keeping it real out there, and who's getting fucked over by these guys? Who really is the the good one, right? Yeah. And a hundred years from now, or however long the time has been, they're gonna look back and think, "Damn, this Zuckerberg guy was pure evil." Yeah. You know, he was bought and paid for by. You know, the Rothschilds, Rockefellers, whoever's paying him to censor everybody. And uh, so who, who's going to be the guy? Like Tesla, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Is it Elon Musk? <clears throat> I, it seems like it's Elon. And, and it could be Donald Trump, dude. It could, it could be, be 
one of I his mean, kids. It, it could be. It could be anybody. I just it, that's a. It's, it's a, a slippery it's slope. A fa- well, it's a fantastic point though, because you're right. Um, and if you go, yeah, I mean, we we could do the conspiracy thing because I I love going down that rabbit hole. Um, even though I used to hate conspiracies, now I absolutely love them. But oh yeah, you go look and see who was who was on the Titanic when it sank. Who was on that boat? The five richest people in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Five richest people in the world. At that time. We're on that boat. That is a coincidence. Mm. Ugh, let me flip a coin. I don't know. But it's just interesting. It's interesting to see this stuff. It's interesting that you bring up Elon Musk because as soon as you started talking, I was like, Elon Musk. Because Thomas Edison, Nikolai Tesla, Tesla was that outcast. He wasn't with them because he wanted to do it for cheap. He wanted to give everybody that electricity for free. Elon Musk wants to give these Teslas and all this stuff for for, for super cheap. Yeah, basically free. For, and, and this he day wants and to age. make it. I mean, he's all about the space <clears throat> force. He's all about getting people here, getting people there. Is it is it a coincidence that he called his car the Tesla? I don't know. Is that coincidence? I don't know. Is it? Maybe he kind of looks at himself as the current era as Tesla. The, uh, yeah, as he the current is. era Tesla. Tell me he's not. Because if he was one of these left wing moguls that was all about, you know, shutting the, everything the down, the Rothschilds and all on this side, all this stuff, and he went on Joe Rogan and smoked some weed, no one would say a thing. Yeah. But because he he was the guy that basically told he, told the state of California, hey, go fuck yourself. I'm gonna open my factories so the people that work for me can work, support yeah. their family, and make a living. He called. He called. Go the, ahead. Go ahead and and find me whatever you want. He called the left out before. Yeah. Called them out like for being hypocritical and yeah. stuff. He's he's done that stuff. It's so, been pretty good. I looked it up. The second richest person, the Bernard uh, Arnault, is a uh, a French billionaire businessman and art collector, and he's also the CEO of. Uh, LVH or LVMH Mote Hennessy and Louis Vuitton. So, so would he fit into the uh, what's the secret society that's prominent in Europe? The Bilderberg, the yeah, Bilderberg over there, yeah. yeah. I mean, all by right, that, so by that definition, he would let, let's um, oh, and you asked about George Soros, his uh, current net worth. As of tw- May of 2020, was uh, 8.3 billion dollars. So, you know, he's out of the realm of those upper guys. Right. So it's interesting that Soros's name seems to always come up. Come up on everything else when he's one of the, I guess. But he's he's been one of the biggest biggest outspoken people about the new world order. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm. the other thing is, just because you don't have a net worth as much as somebody else, doesn't mean that you don't have a mind for pulling strings. Well, and not I mean? only and not only that, this but let's true. not only You've that, seen but let's some be of the honest. the poorest people have right. a mind for pulling strings, right? I mean right. But not only that, go let's look be at honest. It. How, there's a there's pimps in Chicago that have a great mind for pulling strings and they right. know exactly what people want. It's not all always about money. But right. but 
not only that, but let's be honest, how how true is that net worth of eight point three billion? Well, you know, you, you know, you get into those upper echelons of the billions. I mean, I think at that point, you know, if you're included in certain circles. You don't really need to pay your way into those things, you know. And not only that, net worth is really based on on um, when the, what they're talking about is like what they can see, right? I mean, it's right. like, I mean, right. if I if I was to have a job, like, well, let, I mean, let, let's put my pop into perspective, right? My my dad claims sixty thousand a year that he makes. How many cash jobs does he take every year? Exactly. So, I mean, that that's a big difference. I mean. And that's what I'm saying as far as George Soros. You don't, you don't, it, on paper. net worth is like what you're worth on paper. It doesn't mean he's worth any so, more so or here, any less. So here, it's But that's, what we're talking about is that's not what matters. No, so here, let me tell you, it's like this. We, You know, there's a lot of whistleblowers. Say yes. George Soros is the guy that, you know, funds BLM, Antifa, you know, Antifa, these types of groups. So all these, all these big media companies. If you're going to be the guy pulling the strings for domestic terrorism, do you think that you're going to fund that through a company no. that could be linked back to you? Absolutely not. And that's and that's where I'm saying is how honest is this. Is this $8.3 billion? How much of that stuff is is uh, is under the table that he's not claiming so he can fund these BLM, Antifa, all this other stuff so it's not traced back to him? And that's why nothing's been traced back to him as far as being able to fund these you know, um, domestic terrorist do a good job of organizations. Hiding, hiding the smoking gun. And that's what uh, I'm saying. It's very easy. And that's yeah, what I'm saying. Think, that's why. That's why when you kinda, look him up, and you see that oh, he's only worth eight point three billion. Well, eight point three. I mean, I understand eight point three billion dollars. I mean, a billion dollars is a lot of money. But to be able to fund these things and do all the things that these organizations are doing, it doesn't mean it's coming directly out of his pocket. No, Let, let's ex- just exactly. Yeah, I think we're we're kind of getting off. Topic. Topic to where it's like conspiracy. Right, we we understand what it says on the internet. We understand that it could be true, not true. But we also know that it, it doesn't really mean anything. Because like like you said, Rob, is that if you're good at pulling strings, you're good at pulling strings no matter what. It's who you have in your pocket at the time. Because to any congressional seat a million dollars is a million dollars it's a lot of money so all right we'll jump into the next one here um one that really got my goat got my goat man so uh california voted into the senate so now um just want to be clear this isn't law yet, but it, it is on Newsom's desk, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom's desk to sign. SB 145. So it's this new pedophile law. And I call it pedophile law because it has to do with pedophiles. And it was voted in 6-2. to two, 
And uh, this really irritates me because now, um, and I want to be clear what this law is, is it's not giving pedophiles a get out of jail free card or anything like that. But basically what it does is here's the parameters. The parameters are if you are within 10 years of the person that you have orally or anally molested, then you don't get an automatic register, sex offender register against you. So let me make sure I understand this properly. Okay, go. If you have a 25-year-old man sodomize a 16-year-old boy, you are not a sex offender. No, you're a sex offender, but you don't have to register Hold in on. the state no, of no, California. No, not yet. No. You have to go in front of a judge to plead your case. So this is after you're convicted. Before, let me let me make this clear. Anyone under the age of 18, if you were over 18 and you sodomized anyone under the age of 18 and you were convicted, it was an automatic sex offender register. Right, you had to register. Now, you get a special hearing after you're convicted in front of a judge to plead your case of why you shouldn't be a registered sex offender. Hmm. So, so it's open for interpretation. It's open for interpretation. You could be 20 years old and sodomize an 11 year old and could get off without registering for being a sex offender. That's insane. Insane. Absolutely insane. Especially and, coming and from granted, someone. Again, Ga Governor Gavin Newsom has not signed this yet. As of today, as of today, I don't know. Well, he might have signed it tonight or he might have pushed it back. I don't know. But as of today, he has not signed this. So I want to make that clear that this is not law. This is the state of California passes in law. And it, if you look at who said yes and who said no, Every Democrat said yes, and every Republican said no. There was no, no one went across the aisle on this. So the Republicans were against. Republicans were against the, the bill. Democrats were for. Democrats were for the bill. Hmm. And this goes to show that they are continuing to make it okay to be a pedophile. So I'll tell you, I was talking with my wife and you know talking about this pedophile thing she obviously doesn't go down the rabbit hole like i do as far as conspiracies pizza gate that kind of thing but we do discuss it and what I, I was trying to get an angle to give her some perspective so let's go back to 1950 okay not that long ago yep. right, 70 years ago yeah TV starts coming out, starts to be a thing, right? So back then, how normal was it for a woman to be in a bathing suit on TV? It was oh, it, not it, normal. It wasn't happening. It was, it Do you was, remember Charlie's Angels? Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, so you think about the censorship back then and how conservative everything was. I mean, you couldn't say damn on TV. You couldn't say anything like that. But as far as sexual censorship, women didn't wear low-cut shirts on TV. I mean, you didn't. It was super, super conservative. But over the course of the last 50, 60 years, whatever, all, now you have naked people on regular TV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they may, you know, censor out some nipples or, you know. A, a vagina. You know, that type of thing. They yeah. can get as close as possible. But they're very close. I mean, you're, you're damn near getting the whole thing. And, and basically what it's done is the evolution of desensitizing us to, you know, the conservative vision. And I was trying to explain to her, I said, these subtle things that happen, that Disney does, and all these other things, these weird organizations that pass the Men and Boy Love Association, that yep. is a real thing. Yes. And they believe that being in love with a, a young boy is, is normal. not an illness. It is normal. It's normal. And this is a real organization. And these are the types of things that are now coming to surface. And very subtly, they're serving this stuff up to us as being normal. So let's fast forward 70 years. Now, you had a woman on TV 50, 60 years ago. I mean, if she showed some cleavage... She was in deep shit. It was taboo. It didn't well, she happen. Was, she was right. She was out of the industry. You, you get, but current era, it's the same thing with any kind of pedophile stuff. But what they're doing is they're desensitizing us to it currently. Yeah. On this pedophile thing, yeah. and in other areas of the world, this it is far more normal than, you know, even though the United States is in a in a weird place. We're still pretty conservative compared to the rest of the world. Now, you got Greece that just passed a law that pedophilia is just a mental illness. It's not even punishable. Like and, this, and the state will pay you for it. Right. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's not only a mental illness, it's a disability. It's a disability. disability. Yeah. Okay. That is the excuse to yeah. get away with what they're doing. And it always starts somewhere else, and it always ends up over here in the West. And I'm just saying, fast forward 60 years. 70 oh. years where are we going to be at with it then now we may not be around in 70 years oh we may be but this whiskey sure ain't gonna no this whiskey will longer. make me live forever <laughs> forever <laughs> but let, let's be real our kids they're gonna probably go be this. here yeah and our children are gonna witness the desensitizing of human nature in through pop culture which is created yes. in the pedophile capital of the world of hollywood and next thing you know, it's going to be no big deal. Yeah, it's going to be normal. So th this is a huge thing, right? I mean, and I, I love where you're going with this because what they're doing is, is uh, they started slowly. They started with the homosexuality. And listen, I am Christian. I, I believe I, I'm all about that belief and I, I do not think homosexuality is okay but I'm not going to rub it down your throat and like shame you in front of public I'll talk to you I love I love everybody okay but they started with homosexuality they they pushed it a little further they made that normal then they're going to transgendered then they're trying to make that normal 
right? They're still in the process of it, but they've they've won in a lot of areas because there's there's other areas that that get desensitized a lot faster than our area. Okay, let me let me just tell you you guys know I'm a strategist. It's what I am, it's what I do. Think about this. If you're going to attack something, if you're going to push your agenda and get you know what you want done, which is to be desensitized the Hollywood. masses, okay? Hollywood. You're going to do more than one thing. Mm-hmm. You're going to go after you know man on man homosexuality female on female which is yep you know there's a taboo there there's a taboo but it's the least of the evils because most dudes like to see two chicks get down on each other yeah i'll admit it let's be honest i mean i'm watching that you know i was gonna say let's be honest i'm not gonna turn it off but the thing is i ain't down watching two dudes stroke each other up i'm not cool with that and most girls aren't either correct no so that's but most the chicks point. but most chicks are on like you said on a girl on girl they're sure. like oh but well that makes you the know point what? Of what you're saying some avenues are a fast track yeah and so what they do is they hit every single angle they can and the strategy is is to cover as much of the field as possible you know then they throw in a little bit of you know interracial stuff which in some places is still controversial but they they'll do hit every single angle they can so to see which one gains the most traction, and then they'll start putting more eggs in that basket. In that yeah. basket, yeah. So, so this is where I'm going too. Like you, you're absolutely correct. What, I don't know if a lot of people saw what the, what was going on, but during the um, the homophobic stage and all this, or um, the uh, every everyone the homosexuality phase. There was a lot of, uh, they had interviewed a lot of like 16 and 17 year old boys that thought they were gay. And they were saying, they were interviewing them and they were coming out and going, if I was going to learn that I was gay, I would want to learn with an older man. I would want to learn with them. And so they like found these like subjects that were okay with it and saying yes this is okay and you're sitting there and people are listening and if if you're not in your right mind you're like all right i mean i guess i got like this this kid he's 16 years old he's fine with that but here's my thing is like regardless if you ever take advantage, like the whole point of that 18 year old age limit is because your brain is still growing. You don't know where you're at. If you're taking advantage of anyone beyond that age, regardless if it's sexuality or not, you're immorally wrong. 100%. So they have, they've been desensitizing us to like little by little, now, in a lot of areas in this country, regardless of what we think now here, people think it's okay for an older gentleman to take a younger boy, a boy under the age of 18, no matter what age he is, and, and bring him into that homosexual world to, to teach him. They think it's like a, they look at it as a learning process versus someone taking advantage of a young kid. And that, 
that is it's wrong i just i i can't explain it i can't fathom where this is going and i you're absolutely right and i it makes me sick to my stomach to think of where if this continues where we'll be in 50 60 years well, from not, now not only when, that but when we're on our deathbeds we don't know any better not only that but where where are kids going to be in that time frame and that's what i'm talking about where are their kids like our great grandkids where are they going to be in that time so, frame yeah, and i'll tell you the, the challenge that i see now you're you guys have kids much younger than mine my son's almost 18 years old my daughter's 15 my other daughter's 14. my 15 year old daughter tonight oddly enough says dad are you pro-choice or are you um, pro-life I said, sweetheart, I'm pro-life. And yeah. she was shocked. And I thought to myself, I was a little like, like dumbfounded. The fact that she would even think that I would be otherwise. And she starts to kind of have this debate with me over, you know, if a woman was raped and she got pregnant from it. And I really didn't go down that rabbit hole with her. But really, as I conversed with her through this, I thought to myself, Everything that I do in, in, in leading my home and the moral compass that I, you know, spread to my children, I, I think I do a pretty good job of it. But that just goes to show you how profound the agenda is through pop culture. Absolutely. Because all these kids that go to school, now my kids are Trump all the way, okay? But to be honest... I think it's just because dad's and mom is Trump. You know what I mean? And my son, he ain't scared. He'll, he'll, you know, he's master of debate. You know what I mean? He'll, he'll punk anybody out when it comes to a debate like that. I mean, I hit him with the facts, but the I thing mean, is, I my daughter's not, right. <laughs> my daughter is not like that. So she's very heavily in, because my daughter is more caught up in being popular and, you know, wants to be part of the upper circle. My son doesn't give a shit. The in crowd. Right. Yeah. But that crowd, of course, it's cool to not like Trump. Yeah. It's cool to think that, you know, Bernie Sanders or whatever the case may be. And so what I do is I do the best job of telling my kids we have what we have because we live in a capitalist country. Right. But uh, I just sat back and I thought to myself, this is my baby girl. I mean, she that's. She's my baby girl, and she loves her dad, and I love my baby girl. But she, you could tell that she was just confused as to why I felt so strongly about what I do when all her friends and all these other people are cramming it down her throat that she's supposed to not like Trump, she's not supposed to be conservative, and she's supposed to be pro-choice, not pro-life. And um, i got to be honest, I'm going to have to circle back around with her tomorrow to get more into the details with her of, why I feel the way I do. Right. But if, you know, I guess what I'm saying is to, you know, a lot of these parents out there don't, and I'm not trying to say that you're blind, but don't be blind or don't assume that you think you got it on lock. Yeah. Because you don't. And I mean, my, there's so my many kids, more info. We're, you know, these kids, they got two parents, you know, if you're in a divided home and the situation is optimistic, you got four parents. Right. But the thing is, is they have a hundred friends at school and because and guess, they're in school. And guess what? At that age, their friends 
are more of an influence than you absolutely. are. They absolutely are. They're more of an influence to them. And so what happens is you got these kids that go to school and I won't get into the conspiracy part of it, but these educators, these teachers, 90% of them are liberal. Well, let's... That's a slippery slope for me. I would say 95%. Okay. I'm telling you, I, when Obama was running it for a second term, they sent all the kids at school home with Obama propaganda. Oh. I yeah. about lost my mind. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, it's, is it's being pumped into them yeah. from pop culture. You know, I don't even know that MTV is a thing anymore. It was well, when we were kids, it, it, but you got it YouTube. Is, it is, but it's not... It, it's not the MTV that we knew that played music videos and yep, Carson yep. Daly's. You Guess know, when MTV top. had its highest ratings in the last five years? Five years? Yeah. Guess which day? Uh, election day. Election and, day. No. These last VMAs, two days before Chadwick, Bos, uh, uh, oh Boswick. Boswick passed away. Two days before? Yeah. Or, or two days after? I was gonna say after. After. So, p- point is, and I'm, I'm not trying to drag this out, we do the best we can as parents to try and instill the moral compass in them, right? But we've got an uphill battle. Oh, so, absolutely, 100%. So, here, here is um, exactly what you're talking about. In a nutshell? What? No, like, where I look at it is, I, that is my focus every day is what can I do as a parent not to force my opinion on these kids? But to influence them. Because my, my kids are young. They don't really know. Like, I could yell at them. I could do whatever I want, like, right now at, at this point in time. They're, they're, you know, six and five. Um, but when they get older, when they're in your kid's realm, how, how do you become that parent that – you, you almost have to, like, find where, where their trigger is and barely tap it. Just barely, barely tap it. You don't want to go full bore on it, but you, you want to, like, hit it to where they know you, you're uh, genuine and sincere about where you're at and they trust you. But you're not too overbearing. But you're not overbearing to where you're just like, you will do this because I'm your dad. And I think you've, I, I honestly, Rob, you've done a great job with it. You've, do, you've done a great job sitting back and letting them come to you. And that's the key is you give them so much love and compassion and all this stuff and direction. Because I'm a, I'm a firm believer that when you raise kids, if you have a boy, they need nothing but direction. And when you have girls, they need nothing but compassion and love. Because if they get that from you, then they're not going to go search it from somewhere else, both boy and girl. You don't, want, you don't want your son going and looking for a direction of life from somebody else. And you don't want your girls looking for, for compassion and love from another guy. Regardless of a kid his age, whatever. But that that is the key to find that Fine-tune that parenting to a sense to where they can confide in you, they trust in you, and then when you talk to them, like you just said, you had that conversation, but you're going to circle back 
and and get that feedback from her and then at least provide your feedback from your conversation and the the time that you've had to think about it and think about what you said and think about your answer whether you're right or you're wrong doesn't matter but you can go back to her and talk to her and let her know hey I want to I just want to give you a little tidbit of why I said what I said last night and this is it that's a huge ordeal that is a win in any parenting book because I've seen from both sides you could be the overbearing to where they just run off and they're gone not like good luck then the next time you're talking to your kid they're 26 they're high on fucking heroin and you're like wishing you would have said something different or they do a great job and then you're like thank god i escaped that goat you know but regardless you you did a good job and you got to make sure you do circle back well i will you know that yeah it's uh it's a crazy world we live in i think that for the you know our generation or really anybody that is trying to raise a conservative kid or teen, especially teenager in this world um it's got its challenges you know? absolutely and you know it's a i think it's right around the age of 14 psychologically is when things become ingrained yes so right now your children are much younger than mine the importance of you creating what they're ingrained with is very very important yeah and i think that you know i've done a pretty good job my kids uh you know with their conservative beliefs um you know i teach them to gain perspective and um but sometimes man that damn pop culture it it's, is hard it's to, one of the toughest to things yeah but like i don't want to beat a dead horse but you brought up a very good point we talk about that point of no return for kids when you um, have to either um, just listen to them and let them go or, or um, they're, they're confiding in you, talking to you. It starts at a much earlier age, parents. The way you talk to them, the way you um, approach them from from the earliest of ages is going to tell them everything they they need to know. I've I've learned very quickly that when I yell at my kids, they shut down and nothing happens. When I sit there and talk to them, they listen. They sit there and listen and they say, "Okay, daddy. Okay. I'm sorry." Yeah. And it 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 is what it is. And kids are kids. They're going to continue to do what they do they don't know any better but it 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 takes action it takes work hard work dedication to keep your kids on that right path and the one the last thing i want my kids ever to do is feel like they have to lie to me not only that but that's when i that's when i felt i've lost not only not only that you don't want your kids to lie to you but you I, me personally as a dad is I don't want my kids to ever feel that they can't come to me with something. Yeah. And that's what I, that, that's where I'm getting at. As, is like, as far as, you know, I have a four-year-old or almost four-year-old and a one-year-old. She just turned one in June. 
and you know I've got what you said 14 so I've got 10 and a half year or nine and a half years with one and 13 years with the other one you know and and it and it's you know to go to that point is in you know 13 years Hey. what's what's going to be in this culture well, it's just that I'm like going we to have to that I'm going to have to you know how much more is going to be desensitized exactly exactly and that's what I'm saying is what years. am I going to have to go through we've seen with all my the dolls and stuff that are desensitizing our kids yeah behind mm-hmm. our backs well and not even you know, like us now you, know, I mean, like, you had the trolls doll thing with the button underneath you in had the L- special place. You had the LOL dolls you put in cold water. All of a sudden, they're in lingerie. I mean, you have all these things that are happening behind the scenes that just like, okay, what all the right, hell is going on? This is enough. Yeah. But I and this is uh, again back to our original point, and we we need to move on. But original point was that these guys don't care. It is what it is. They're throwing it all out there. They're throwing their stuff out there, and whatever bites, bites. If they don't get caught, they don't get caught. But in that same sense, you have awakened a beast. There are people waking up to this. There's people doing what they need to do. And hopefully we can change society. All right. So with that, we're going to get on to a, a different topic. So Joe Rogan has moved to Spotify. From Apple. He also moved from L.A. to Austin, Texas. Oh. Simultaneously. Cool. Um, I don't blame him for moving to L.A. No. Anyone would move from L.A. <laughs> Absolutely Joe not. Joe Rogan even stated he was tired of... He couldn't take a walk with his wife and kids without seeing shit on the sidewalks or needles. Syringes or anything else in in L.A. Here's the conspiracy here is that Joe Rogan takes a hundred-plus million-dollar deal to move to Spotify. He moves to Spotify, and then all of a sudden... As they're moving all the his old podcasts over to Spotify, a bunch come up missing. And with that, a bunch come up missing, as in um, all of the alt-right podcasts come up missing. Well, here's a list of names of podcasts that went missing. And there's like, I don't know, 60 of them. Alex Jones, um, multiple podcasts. David Seaman, who was a uh, congressional candidate, uh, owns his own podcast now, conspiracy theorist. Uh, A couple of his went missing. Owen Benjamin, his podcast went missing. And then Milo Yiannopoulos, I think I said his name right, his podcast went up missing. So all these people are talking about, they're crying. His podcast went missing. That sounds good. Um, and basically what they're saying is that Joe Rogan bought into the devil. Sorry. <laughs> really? So Joe Rogan. The same, uh, the 
again, conspiracy cult. Yeah. So the, uh, here was my thing. When, when I first heard this, right, I was like livid. I was I was one of those guys that just heard, heard it right off the cuff and was just like, oh, my God. Can't believe, like, he went over there and all this stuff. A um, bunch of his podcasts got pulled down and, and all, so, all this so stuff. So the bigger, the, the bigger question, well, not the bigger question, but I guess mine, because I, I didn't really hear about this. But so did Rogan's podcast go missing when he moved to Spotify or before he moved to Spotify? As, as they're transferring all of his podcasts to Spotify, a bunch didn't get uploaded. Okay. Right? Just generally, the significance of these people is what? Alt-right. Who owns okay. Spotify? So Alt-right. Right. So conservatives. Conservatives, okay. right? You have Alex Jones, conspiracy theorist. Da- David Seaman, conspiracy theorist. Okay. Milo Yiannopoulos, conspiracy theorist. Owen Benjamin, comedian, but conspiracy theorist, right? So, but then I started looking into it like a normal human being would. Like, you got to look into it. And I, I researched this and all this stuff. And I found out that there was a lot more missing, like David Kroll, who's a comedian. Not He's a lot. He's a Democrat. Okay, you found um, uh, Chris uh, Delia. Chris Delia, his podcasts were missing. He's a leftist. So then you start thinking, like, because you're a conspiracy theorist, you're like, you're so far right. You're like, okay, maybe they just thought, like, okay, maybe they're just throwing these guys out because they're boring, whatever. Well, anyways, I'm like sitting there thinking, I'm like, all right, this is like way too far decided to go on youtube and i youtube all the people that they're missing all of his youtube channels are still up so if you want to see any of these podcasts all of his youtubes are still up and so i brought up um, an interview alex jones did a thing to where he talked about uh he actually called joe rogan so i'm gonna have you guys listen real quick so let, let, let's listen to Alex Jones real quick. Saying, is Spotify censoring the Joe Rogan podcast? And I didn't know until I talked to him this morning, and he explained it. They've got 1,500-plus files and then some migrating over, and they've had a few problems here and there with corrupted files with the naming of them. And Spotify wants to have a first rollout, then a second rollout, and here's the key. Joe Rogan's favorite 100 episodes of the last 10 years or so will be left on YouTube starting December 31st when he goes exclusively to Spotify. For this couple months, no man's land, the content will be on both platforms and will be migrating over. And so that's why the Alex Jones interview is not there. That's why some of the other interviews aren't there because those are going to be the exclusive interviews that are left on YouTube where in Joe's words, they'll probably get even more views than if they were on Spotify. So that's what's happening. And so I asked Joe, who's always been a straight shooter. All right. So I don't know if you guys heard that or not. Um, but basically, Alex Jones, who looks a lot like Rob. <laughs> Absolutely. A, a lot. After, after seeing Actually, that, looks, I, I'm going to say. I'm not identical, but we uh, definitely uh, well, have the same look. Take off the hat. Take off the hat. Well. I'm, I'm sure the deep fake would go real easy, okay? That oh would go my real God. easy. <laughs> Almost identical. That, that's his, I don't got that's his dangle gopper. Right. You know, rasp me up my or his voice doppelganger. 
Raspy it up. Oh, the aliens are eating my brains. That's his doctor. All right, so even Alex Jones himself, one of the biggest right wing conspiracy theorists, if you want to like say it or not, said he talked to Joe. There is a process for this, so everyone just chill the fuck out. All right? Chill the fuck out. It is what it is. You're going to see this stuff. All of all of the uh, episodes, I actually did a YouTube myself. All of those episodes were up. They're up and running. You can still see them. You can still like uh, watch them. You can still hear them, whatever. This is a process that he's doing. Don't, don't uh, destroy Joe Rogan because you guys have a hard on for conspiracies, all right? So, next, let's talk about the FedEx Cup, boys. We're going into golf. We're going into golf. So, you know, I don't mean to break your guys' heart or anything, and you guys know that I'm balls deep. I'm all about golf. You know, I don't know if you guys know this. Well, with that comment, makes me think that you're not. Well, so... I only started golfing about a year and a half ago. And you're that good? Prior to that, I was, I had maybe golfed six times my entire life. So about a year and a half ago, and I understand I've found a little bit of success in life in the business world. We don't need to go into what I do, but um, I, I find myself being surrounded by, you know, invitations to play golf, you know, these types of things. And you may as well wrote Ronald McDonald on the damn scorecard because it looked like a fucking clown out there. And so I decided, you know what, man? A good friend of mine is uh, ex-golf pro. I'm just going to go golf with him. You guys have golfed with Matt. You guys know how good Matt is. He's and, all right. Uh, yeah. He's decent. Not too bad. He's all right. And uh, I mean, I owe him like, guy. I mean, I, I owe him like 90 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the thing is, uh, I – you know, I've been an athlete my whole life. I, I think that probably helped with a lot. And I think I've found fairly better success than most in the short amount of time that I've played. But the point I'm trying to make is I'm still new at this and I don't watch much golf on TV. I know that you were trying to make a point the other day of so-and-so this way. I had no idea who you were talking about. And you looked at me like, what the hell is wrong with you? How do you not know? Yeah. And I was like, I, I don't know that I'm supposed to know, you know? And so, but the reality is I really don't watch much TV anyways. So, I mean, even if I did, I don't know that I would choose to watch golf. So, well, I although mean, I'll tell you, what that's I, the only sport I'm watching right now is, well, is golf. <laughs> I'll tell you, I got a notification from uh, direct TV that they were going to start charging me for my Sunday ticket. And that, uh, that ended quickly, but, um, I don't have uh, DirecTV anymore. I got rid of them a while ago. So, back to golf. You know, I'm I'm all about it. I spent twenty five hundred dollars on a pair of, or a set of custom clubs. I bought the finest shoes. I lose five dollar Pro V balls like it's my job, and uh, <laughs> you know, I I mean, I'm all about it. I love it, but uh, I'm I'm not what you would call like a super fan. You know, for me, it's yeah. more of, uh, I mean, I'm super competitive. I mean, I want to be the best at anything and everything that I do. I understand that it takes some time, and that's probably why I golf every weekend. 
um, but I haven't really gotten into the, um, you know, the names, the pros. I mean, everybody knows who Tiger Woods is, but this other dude that just won, I know she makes, this dude makes my wife pretty hot, which that works for me, but I don't know, the hot golfer. Dustin Johnson? Whoever my wife and your wife were talking about, the good looking guy, I don't know. I don't know. Is it D- it's got to be DJ. Nah, no clue. Because I, 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 I showed Christina DJ, and she's like, yeah, he's okay. Justin Thomas? No. I don't think it would be I Justin I wouldn't even Thomas be able to either. tell you his ask? name or, you know, agree with you if you told me what it was. But after, you know, what was it, two weeks ago when I kind of got the, uh, the uh, hairy eyeball from Mike over there hey. about not knowing who was who on the, you know, tour yeah i said if it ain't shooter mcgavin i have no fucking no, clue who no it is. one cares okay, happy gilmore i want his autograph i'll tell him <laughs> but uh you know i thought to myself maybe i ought to know you know because i'll be honest part of my motive in learning golf was to be able to rub elbows with some of the people that i'm surrounded by and i didn't want to be the fucking moron on the golf course i didn't know what the yeah i i flew up i played at uh black rock up in Coeur d'Alene, idaho absolutely stunning course i mean the waterfalls the everything and uh the folks that i was playing with these guys are i mean they're sticks i mean these guys they're good i'm out there digging trenches you know what i mean i mean i think i'm you know i average in the high or low 90s you know i'll crack the 90s get into the 80s sometimes but i haven't never cracked 80 these yeah. guys play, they're scratch golfers. So yeah. I already feel like a, you know, an idiot out there. Yeah, but So I'll keep playing at it. But the other thing is, is when I'm not playing with those, you know. Uppity. Inf- well, I'd say influential people. Yep. When I'm not playing with them and I'm playing with my other slouch golfer buddies, like yourself, <laughs> we just have a good time. Yeah. We go out there, we have some drinks, we have, a, have fun, we lose some balls, no big deal that is the shit that I live for. But the competitive side of me still wants to keep growing Always. and keep getting better. You know? And that, and that, that's me too. So I'll explain where I came from golf, right? Um, no, your dad is my very good, dad right? born and raised in New York was a hockey player. His whole life played baseball, played football, played basketball, played golf, like all the sports, whatever happened, he sucked at a bunch of them. Was really good at golf. Started playing golf. Um, came out here and even played more golf because he found out that when you move from New York to Arizona, you can play golf year-round. That's a big deal. So he played golf. Um, I remember sitting on his lap watching Fuzzy Zeller, all these old-school mofos shooting golf and, like, playing and I always told him I wanted to play. I wanted to play. And my dad was like, nope, you're playing baseball. That was my whole whole goal in life was to play baseball. And so um, never really uh, amounted to anything in baseball. I played my senior year or whatever. Uh, never went to college. Never got a pro scholarship. I wasn't that good. And then I started playing a little bit of softball, played a little bit of golf screwed around and then uh i went into the army got back from the army and all it was was softball 
Softball, 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 this, this, this. And then recently, like six months ago, if it was even that, maybe like three months ago, we're sitting on the couch here like we are now, and Mike goes, hey, let's go golfing. I'm like, I don't have any clubs, man. I don't care. You, you use mine. Let's go. Six I mean, months ago, you said. It, this uh, this might have been like three months ago. But he goes, let's go. I'm like, uh, I haven't golfed in a long time. I was really nervous because I always got nervous when people ask me, hey, you golf? And I'm like, yeah, I used to, but I don't anymore. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm comfortable enough with him. I'm going to go. So I went out there and I shot a 116. Was it true? I don't know. Probably not. Maybe maybe yeah, out a maybe few a shots. Maybe a couple uh, laterals in there. Maybe out a few yeah. shots. But he's winning. One sixteen is what it is. He's winning. So I had such a blast though. I got locked in. Locked in. And like you, being a dervage, my blood. Competitive. I, I literally was just like. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this game out. And I've been locked in since. But with that said, going back to it is I've always watched golf. I've always paid attention to golf. I've always loved it because when I sit down on a Sunday, even if it's by myself, my kids are running around screaming, I'm getting yelled at by my wife, whatever, and I'm watching golf. I, I feel my dad. I feel like I'm there with him. Because I know he's there watching it too. I know he is. Because that's where he's always at. <clears throat> so that's why I have always watched golf. I, I know a lot of the players' names. I know a lot of the um, how they how they golf. Um, I could pre- uh, what One thing, it's funny. I'll bring this up. So when when we were kids, did you guys ever um, act like you're Barry Bonds batting? No. Or act like you're King Giffrey Jr. Yep. Or act like you were this this person, or act like you're batting like this person. Frank Thomas, right? The, with the, with the, the big old with the, swing with on the his up back, and, up and back on his yeah. on his shoulder. So a lot of kids did that. I did that too. But I also know. I did it with golf. I know how golfers swing. Yep. I know how golfers do their thing. It's the same thing. Every golfer has their has little their ritual. Yeah. Just like batters do in baseball. Yeah. I mean, I grew up. I grew up. My grandpa played. So every single so Sunday. So I'm going to talk about this real quick. The FedEx Cup. Um, is is playing right now yeah so today was opening day sorry i lost my train of thought there uh today was opening day it is the fedex cup champion oh, you went and found out yeah so, so um dj um hold on we're talking about what our wives like yeah so our wives say dustin johnson good looking guy jordan spieth Good-looking guy. 
And then I just got a text from my Jordan's wife. Patriot Rob. I mean, let's be honest. The wives talk about Patriot Rob. How you know what? I'm, I'm not. Okay. I am not. I am not lying. <laughs> and I will bring. I will bring all the wives Patriot out right Rob. now. Just wait until you, they see us in our proud '90s shirts. That oh I got for Jesus, for God weekend. in heaven! You know what he asked me? He was like, "Do you want to see the shirts?" And I'm like, "That's your call." And he goes. Well, I mean, like three of us are here, and I'm like, bro, it's your call. And he's like, but I want it to be a surprise. And I'm like, it's then your call. It's going to be if a you surprise, want it dude. to be a surprise. I can't wait. Then be a surprise. Dude, if you want to show got us the, the three of us shirts. now, then show us and now. Rob, I feel like I'm going to have to explain my decision to you. But okay, hold on though. We're, so we're the wives all over the place here. The wives yeah. said yeah, your point. We got wives talking. The wives about said Dustin Johnson, Adam Scott, Adam Scott. And um, right. Jordan Spieth. All right. So if you guys don't know, um, the biggest thing. Also, wait. Hold on. Hold on. I'm sorry. Also, Patriot Rob brought up himself. When I walked in there and I asked the wives and I said, hey, you guys were talking about hottest golfers. Who are they? Your wife was like, Rob. And I was like, okay, Homer, relax. Let's talk it's about real. real. I was like, let's talk, let's talk about real golfers. One carat rock yeah. on her finger. Yeah, that's because you paid a <laughs> shit ton of money for a ring that she's like, well, I got to say him on anything. You, uh, just, you just paid 15K for an answer. Yeah, exactly. You bought that answer. <laughs> I'll take it. Had she had the All original right. ring, she'd have been like, All right, so the FedEx, Jordan Spieth. Here, here's what a lot of people might not know. Is a lot. A lot of you guys might see Dustin Johnson like thirteen under all this stuff, but um. Okay, so that, that's on, my no, big, no, no, that's I'm, my bigger I'm, question. I'm, I'm talking about it. Right? That's stop. stop. Mm. Let me talk about it. Fucking all right. Hat. The FedEx Cup starts a little bit differently when when it's a championship. So you have the quarterfinals, semifinals, and then you have the championship, just like anything else. Um, when when these guys are golfing all year, they're building up points. And when they earn their points, they earn an, an advantage. So I, I'm going to get back to um, the way the BMW championship ended last weekend in Chicago because it, it has a lot to do, do with today. Um, so when you start off the FedEx Cup championship, if you are the number one person in FedEx Cup stamp standings, you start off 10 under par. Okay, that was my question because before he even teed off, he was 10 under. I was I was watching it yeah. on, you know, yeah. So this, on your this thing, is where I got and it. he was already 10 under so, par and I'm like, so he hasn't even played. The FedEx Cup champion takes the top 30 in the standings. At that time, they take the top 30. Of the cumulative points of the season. Of the season. Okay. So, number one starts off with a, a minus 10. Number two, minus 8. Number three, minus 7. Number four, minus 6. Number five, minus 5. 6 through 10, start off with a 4 under. 11 through 15, 3 under. 16 through 20, 2 under. 21 through 25, 1 under. 26 through 30, even. And the reason they do this is because they, you can win this this tournament outright, but you might not win the FedEx Cup. The FedEx Cup is all about the season, right? 
So they don't want one person winning this tournament and then winning the FedEx Cup. So they, they this is the reason why they started. So Dustin Johnson was a minus 10. Before he even teed going off. Going into it. So he was a, a number one at the 16th hole last week. He was a number one. In the world. No matter what anyone could do. Not not world. Just in the in the rankings. In the rankings. Okay. The FedEx Cup rankings. But he could have done whatever he wanted to and been number one because of how good he played throughout the year. John Rahm wasn't. John Rahm He's number two. was like sixth. And then he birdied, he parred. And then I, I don't know if you guys – did you guys see the 18th hole last week and then the playoff hole? No, uh, I clearly did not. No, I'm going to be honest. I did okay. not watch okay. it. Okay, so – I was doing honeydews. John Rahm hits his putt and goes up one uh, under versus Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson has, has to hit this putt. Dustin Johnson is 37 feet away. It's, a, it's literally a 4% chance he hits his putt. It's a mile in golf. 37 feet away. Hits his putt, it rolls, it rolls left. Okay, hold on. I watched this actually. It rolls I saw right. he did a total S turn. Yeah. Boom. Brains it. Hits it. Boom! Brings it into the fucking playoff. John Rom's pissed. Fuck this. Pissed. <laughs> so their first playoff hole is the same hole, 18. They both get it up on the green. Dustin Johnson is now 42 feet away, which he was 37 feet away. So but he knows. There, so he knows the run. No, Dustin Johnson was behind behind the hole. The mm. first. Now he's on the left of it. John Rahm is 66 and a half feet away. Dude just goes, and it rolls way left, and then it just kind of comes in and. Hits the hole. That hole got him second place in this tournament. It it gave him three strokes. Three strokes in the Fed FedEx Cup. Well, and we talked tell about me, that last week. Tell me when you're chasing Dustin Johnson that if I was a go, if you hit this putt, you get three strokes. And you're gonna be against DJ. You're gonna be one. You're gonna be one spot behind DJ. Two under. Yeah. You're two gonna under. be two under DJ instead of five under. But DJ also shot three under today. Yeah, but so did John Rom. John Rom shot a five under. Well, what's John Rom? What? So today, what did John Rom end at? Five under. No, but what was his his total? The John Rom. And uh, Dustin Johnson are both 13 under. Oh, they're both 13 under. They're tied for the lead. Oh. Okay. Let's proceed. Wait, hey, you're you're missing something. 
think you're missing a kiss. I wasn't talking about the kid, I was talking about a kiss. This is this is my beautiful wife. Hi. Oh, too. Thank you. <laughs> so, my my thing is like my favorite players to watch on this tournament is Roy McIlroy. I watched him today. I love him all day. He, dude, the guy featured. Was, did you see what he shot on the back nine? Yes. Five under. Yes. Could you? I would shit my pants. I would shit my pants for his front nine. I would shit my pants for his worst round ever. Yeah. So, Rory, if you guys didn't know, um, had a kid this week. Poppy. Poppy. Poppy Had a, had a kid on uh, Tuesday, I want to say. They were back at home safely. Poppy is doing great. Um, and Rory... Was fantastic today. Absolutely. Like, masterful. He was great. He He was awesome. Do you see those bunker shots? Oh. Oh, God. Jesus. I wish I could do that. I wish, like, like what Rory did on, well, the front or the back, I wish I could just do, like, half of that. Like, it was, like, birdie, birdie, par, birdie, bogey. Birdie, birdie. Can I be honest par. with you? When I see a pro, one of these guys like a Justin Thomas or Dustin Johnson or Rory, when I see them bogey, or any of them, when I see them bogey, I'm like, huh, I could have done that. <laughs> you know what? I think the same thing. I'm like, oh, you bogeyed that? Shit. That's nothing. I do that on a regular. I do that on the reg. Oh damn, dude! If but I could, here, here's what I'm rooting like, for. So so Here, so so par on this course that they're shooting now is a seventy. Yeah, and it's par not, is a seventy. Yeah, that was that was last course too. No, that was today. No, BMW was a seventy too. Today was I. I know, I know. Today was was a seventy. But BMW was as well. Oh, was a seventy yeah. as well, not a yeah. seventy-two. No, I thought you yeah. meant seventy-two. No, no, was a seventy as well. So, but yeah. here's my thing. Right? I mean, I shoot in the hundreds. Par is not going to cut it this week. No, because absolutely not. Because some of these guys are starting nine, eight, seven shots under. Yeah. Um. What I want to say is, like, here's who I'm going for. Well, because after today, it, who is it who, goes what? It here's goes who I'm going for in order. 25 or in, 20? Here's who I'm going for in order. Justin Thomas. Roy McIlroy. Where's DJ? John Rahm. Ooh. Dustin Johnson. Do you want to know why John Rahm's before? Because he pulls out that book, and you know what's on his book, on his back pocket? That he beat Mr. Sparky, the Sun Devil himself. Oh, because he went to ASU. Yep. I love oh, it. Son of a bitch. Hey, how's he's, he not he's your number one? one? How's he not your number one then? Dude, cause, the Homer? No, because Justin Thomas, I absolutely love the way. I And, and here's the deal, folks. If you guys hate that crowds aren't there, I love it. 
because you can hear everything they say. Oh. And Justin Thomas is like, when he shoots a bad shot, he's, he's like, like, fuck. Fuck. Yeah. Fucking go left. He's like, fuck, left, left, left. God damn it. I love that about yeah. him. Oh, yeah. He's a real golfer. JT is, I mean, JT's basic. I'm basically, well, and you, we're basically JT. I love him. Because every shot we hit, we're like, that's fuck. Why, that's why I love JT. Yeah. I love JT. And, and then Rory comes next because my dad loves him after Tiger. Obviously, Tiger's number one. But, but Tiger's not in this. Not Tiger's not in this. So Rory's next. I just I I love watching him golf. I do. I do. Today today he, is he the just feature. Looks, he I want to emulate him. Today I today is the featured golfer on uh, NBC Sports. The when gold Rory like, has to worry about a uh, he's gonna go if you hit the water straight on a par five. You got to go 375, and we're worried about him hitting 375. And then we we are we take a deep breath because he went 366. Oh, he didn't hit that water. That is a man. Well, not only that, but did you see his lie He's today? He's not. Did you see his lie today on, uh, was it 17 or 18? Did you? Where where it, it's, a, it's a little bit of a dog leg left, and he hit it. And it went a little bit too far left, and he was in the rough. It was, I actually I think it was eighteen because it was the par five, so that's eighteen. No, eighteen here in the bunker on the right. No, 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 that was a second shot. His first shot was in the rough, and then he cranked the second one out of the rough into the bunker. Into the bunker. Yeah. But so he hit his drive like three fifty eight. No, three sixty six. That's what I'm saying. Oh yeah, 366 because 366 uh, was it Ross? It was three 373 to the water. Who was he playing with? Ross, Brendan, Todd, or Todd? Todd hit it like 360. So Rory hits first, and he's in the rough, cranks his second or his first, his second shot into the bunker, and then Todd's like, "Oh man, I got this. I'm gonna be on the green in two. In the same bunker. Yeah. And they're both hitting out of the bunker for their third shot. And they how both, deep, how they deep bu- was that bunker? Though? Oh, that bunker was deep as fuck. But, dude, everyone I saw. I mean, that. that I saw, that I saw fucking, John Rahm. That, that wedge. I saw Rory McIlroy, Brendan Todd. Every single person that I watched today on, I the, on the featured, all, they were all in that bunker. Or I, a bunker on 18. Well, because they were all trying to reach the green in two. Right. And they and all went either left them, or they all went either right. Colin Marikawa was the only one that couldn't reach or that reached it. But he was still like 30 feet away. All right. So before we get any further, I want to ask you a question before you go any further. Okay. How's this whiskey treating you on this warm Friday night? It's it's great. Delicious. You feeling the whiskey, Aaron? All right. Hold on. I think the listeners are feeling your whiskey. All right, here. Oh, that's my jam. All right, everybody, it's time for Rob's 
or I'm sorry, Patriot Rob's perspective. perspective. <laughs> Let's go. What is your perspective tonight, sir? You know, I think that of all the things that we talked about today, one of the things that stuck out to me about gaining perspective, okay? So to tell the listeners a little bit about me, I'm all about perspective. You know, I, I believe that um, I truly firmly believe that each one of us as humans have our own individual perspective, very similar to a fingerprint. We all look through our own lens and gain perspective individually differently than everybody else. Now, you're going to meet people in life that, you know, see things very similar to you. Usually those people join together or congregate or form friendships or whatever the case may be. I am the type of person that would like to surround myself with people of different perspective. Um, in the position that I'm in, I surround myself with uh, very different personalities, very different perspectives, because as a self-proclaimed leader of leaders, I need to see things from all angles. Yeah. I know what my strengths are, but I'm a self-aware enough person to know what my weaknesses are. And knowing what my weaknesses are, I do what I can to surround myself with people that complement those weaknesses. And likewise, I like to give my perspective as much as I like to gain perspective. Little backstory there before I get into what I said. When we first started talking, you started talking about you were golfing by yourself. And you started talking about how you were out there by yourself and you're trying to find your groove. You're listening to your music, um, you're a little disappointed, which was a negative yep. thing to say. And, uh, you know, thinking, oh, my gosh, I got myself wrapped up in a situation of, you know, some sort of tournament fives on fives. I got, you know, this father son duo out front that is chasing butterflies and. You know, you're stuck there by yourself, but then you've got this group of people behind you and you started to look at it as, ah, what the fuck, man? Like I'm stuck behind this guy finding his ball out in the desert. We're stuck behind all these fivesomes. I'm by myself. I'm going to be out here wandering around trying to figure it out. But what I like is that you whether it was conscious or subconscious, because our subconscious is very powerful. You embrace. You made a decision. It. You made a decision whether you were going to revel in that pessimism and feel like this ain't my day or I'm out here and this shit ain't working out. You could have gone down that road. Yeah. But you didn't. You went the other route and you said, hey, I got this group of guys behind me. Let's go see what they got going on. He embraced the suck he did i mean you could look at it like that you know is a you know i think of that type of statement as a military statement it is but you go you know you went back and you said you know what i'm gonna be comfortable being a little uncomfortable and you held your head high and said hello to the group behind you and next thing you know you're creating relationships and building you know some <laughs> I don't know if it's friendship, but acquaintances anyways, a very like-minded in golf 
And now you've got yourself in a position where you've created a, I guess, a source of some networking that you didn't have before. Yeah. And the thing is, is had you laid into your pessimist, you know, pessimistic thing, which it's easy to be pessimistic and sometimes it feels good, but you didn't do that. You went the other direction and you made the best of your situation and it sounds to me like you walked away from that situation very positive, feeling good. Uh, you know, I mean, just listening to the way you explained it, you know, to everybody, right, you know, when as we started, it was strong. It was powerful. And I got to tell you, perspective, my perspective, you know, of all the things that we talked about was we have a choice. We have a choice whether we can choose the negative or the positive. There's a balance everywhere. There's a North and a South Pole. There's a, you know, and I mean, very simple, pessimism, optimism. And we have a choice. And I got to tell you, and I don't mean this in a condescending way, but I'm proud of you for the fact that you chose the optimistic route because it's in those times that we gain and grow as people. And uh, you should give, you know, I, I... I tip my hat to you. I Good job that. on that. I love that. It's, it's so easy to uh, phone it in. It know? really is. It really is. But but that's the thing, you know, that separates. Well, I'll just, I'll, without trying to offend anybody, that just separates <laughs> some folks. I got you. All right. All right, everybody. We appreciate you tuning in to the Whiskey Friday podcast. This is another one. We appreciate uh, Patriot Aaron, Patriot Mike, and especially our special guest, Patriot Rob. Thank you so much for having me. I, I, uh, Hope that I could offer some insight that is appealing to folks and uh, looking forward to hear any feedback. We will, most certainly. We love you guys.